Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Keep the Line Moving, the podcast designed to talk about leadership, life, and inspiration. I am your host, Chris Gargano, and this is episode 50 of season one. That's right. And as I always do, and I'll do it again, I thank you for being part of this. Our topic this week is transparency. Transparency in a leader. How important is this? What qualities do you have to have as a leader to have the confidence to be transparent? Our guest is Sasha Savanovic. He is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Nextologies. Nextologies is a prominent digital video delivery system. You have to hear the origin story from Sasha. He will explain it. This is a gentleman who grew up in logistics, passing up the opportunity to attend MIT to take over his family's trucking business. He will talk about the transition of that trucking business, then going into his true passion, which is tech and working with computers. Sasha will explain it in full detail and what he is like as a CEO for Nextologies. What is his relationship with his people? Mentoring, teaching, still getting in the weeds, but not micromanaging. This is a fascinating conversation. I'm so glad you're here. It begins now with Sasha Zavanovic. Sasha, it is great to see you again. It is so fun to connect with people who you enjoy speaking with and learning about. You know what, Sasha? You're one of those folks. How are you? Really good, Chris. Thank you. I love it. Sasha, let's dive right into it. You're obviously the CEO, the founder, the owner of Nextologies. You're doing great work up there in Toronto. You grew up as an only child, and we don't talk about that. We talk about a lot on this podcast, but that's really interesting. My son's an only child. What can my son learn from you and your journey as you have you know, reached such great success in your life? Well, first, thanks for the compliment of great success. I think this is really subjective on that one. But uh, wow, uh, failure, 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 failure. I think uh, giving some advice to your son or others, this is a cliche, I'm sure you've heard it, but uh, uh, fail often, attempt, uh, do as much as you can. And now and having a great father like you, it, getting the support, uh, being you know born and bred and, and being able to give your, your son that education, uh, my parents were blue collar. They came to the country when they were 16 years old, didn't know the language, you know, $25 in our pocket. I'm sure everyone has a friend with that story or some people have already, ha you know, they know that story. So my parents gave me the work ethic um, to work hard because there's always going to be someone that works harder than you. So if you want to achieve something in life, you know, bust your butt, bust your behind to get there. So if I had to give any motivation to another only child to understand what was going on. Now I'd say, uh, you know, respect what you got, learn from it, learn from your parents' mistakes. Cause trust me, I got three boys. We all make mistakes every day. We, that's how you learn. You have to learn by making mistakes. So learn sure. from their mistakes and try not to repeat them. Moreover, learn from your mistakes and don't repeat them. And that from me growing up and uh, looking at my parents' business and my parents, they, you know, they set up a business. They were in the transportation business for trucking and logistics I, I became a truck driver at 20 years old, you know, trying to help the family business. But it's the failures there of running that family business as an only child, not having anyone to lean on with the education to help get to that next layer. My parents didn't have that. They came. My father had a grade four, grade five education. My mom, you know, just got past high school, I think. And uh, what did they know? What could they do? So me at 20 years old, and I hate and I apologize for any other uh kids that take over businesses and fall into the CEO position or fall into a president or a senior position. 
you know, I'm not going to swear on the podcast, but uh, you don't know squat. You don't know anything. And then the biggest thing that hurt me the most is I, I thought I knew, but uh, I didn't know anything. And because I didn't start at the bottom and work my way up, call it as a truck driver, I didn't know anything. So at 20 years old, I realized, I'm like, how do I tell this guy to go do something that I haven't done myself? And that is who I am today. I am a CEO of a hundred person company, multinational corporation, and maybe to a fault. I don't think it's a fault, but uh, I'm in the weeds with my team. I'm at the front line with my team. And, you know, I tell, I tell, I tell my friends, I tell my employees, I'm at trade shows doing uh, talks and I, and I tell them all, I, I tell them all, be weary of a superior or a CEO that has a better tan than you. That's it. Fail often, make the mistakes. Cause when you get into your thirties, my career only really started at 30. I started at working for $18 an hour. I, I managed to get rid of the trucking company. I got out of that industry, helped my parents get settled up for their life. But at 30 years old, started making $18 an hour. Uh, cause someone benotes to me, said, Hey, I'm going to pay you to work on a computer to do something. And not to go into details of it. And I'm like, you're going to pay me to do this? Okay. It, it never ended. Okay. So let's set the stage here. So you take over your parents' business as a truck driving business at age 20. You do really well with that opportunity. You fail, but you learn, yeah. right? And you're inspired by your parents' hard work ethic. They work really hard. And that sets the foundation about how you approach your life and job. Then when you get to 30, you say, okay. Mom and dad, here's the trucking business. Everything's fine. You can retire safely and be comfortable. Now, I love computers. People are going to pay me to be on computers to, as you said, to do things. <laughs> That's really cool. So what was it about you that matched your passion and something you can do for a living? Like, How did you understand that computers was something that you were good at and enjoyed? Well, I have to go back to the trucking company. So at 12 or 13 years old, 1991, 1992, uh, my father's business, the trucking company, he was still doing invoices on a typewriter. So a friend of ours, a neighbor said, hey, you know, you should go do this on a computer. And my dad bought a computer and I learned, my father gave me $200 a month to do invoicing for his business. And the, that was once a week, once a week on Mondays or Fridays, whatever it was, we would do the invoicing and I got to play with computers. And my father saw what I was doing with the computer. And one day he got in front of it. He goes, you know, I'm going to open up the book. This, and this is a great story. I tell this to everyone all the time. You know, he opens up the book and when the computers were shipped back then, there was no real operating system. There wasn't Windows and it was DOS. And that's and not to nerd out or anything. That's just as basic as it gets, right? It's, it, and you have to type in commands to do something. So when we received that computer, it came with a book that was MS-DOS. It was this thick. And on the first page, and you have to be a little bit of a tech guy to know what this is, it teaches you first how to format your computer to prepare it for installation. So my dad follows these instructions in the computer that I've been working on for the past six months, eight months, and the invoices and all the stuff that I've done on that computer within three keystrokes, formats the whole computer and wipes it. Oh, jeez. Oh, no my. operating says computer doesn't even boot anymore. Now that's not that's not that easy to do. So I had to figure out, and there was no internet back then. We had bulletin board systems where you had to connect the computer to a telephone line. Some kids know what that is. So 
I did research, figured out how to, I got the computer up and running. Well, I didn't really get it up and running. I had help to get it up and running. That started me down the path of always being in front of a computer. And that, that whole system forelays me into who I am today and what Nextologies does today. We build our own software. We build our own hardware. We do everything ourselves because the clients that we deal with don't have the budgets or not willing to spend to buy off the shelf. So we'll customize it and build it for the customers. So that's how I got into tech. And at, you know, at 30 years old, someone's going to pay me to play on a computer. And I'm like, all right, let, let, let's see how this goes. So let's talk about Nextologies. Just give us the basic gist core of what Nextology is. The business started because it was, it was very niche. And we started as video delivery. You have a television channel and we need to deliver that to a cable operator. And because that used to take so much time, 30, 60, 90 days to facilitate. So we were able to launch your channel faster than anyone else. That's how we started. Then we pivoted and turned into custom end-to-end -end broadcast solution. We have tier one clients like UFC, Associated Press, WWE, and all these other major tier one brands that we're behind the curtain. I like to say the, the magician is in the front. And then we're behind the curtain making the magician look like they know what they're doing. That's sort of what we have on the back end where we're handling technical operations from signal acquisition. So taking a video just like we're doing here on this podcast. But that needs to go somewhere. Where does it go? It needs to go to another platform to get played out as a television channel. It needs to get created into a television channel. So all of the things that fall in broadcast media, we begin to pick off one at a time where you would have normally gone to this, call it technology grocery store to buy an encoder, buy a stream yard, buy, you know, all these different things. Well, now you could all do it at one stop shop. And guess what? We're the Costco of the, or the Kirkland brands of the broadcast industry, right? You can still come through us and we'll get you some of those stuff. But hey, the Kirkland brand is a little bit more cost effective. Come over here and we'll give you this one and, and you get a decent price. So that's really who Nextologies is end-to-end -end video solutions from when it leaves the camera onwards down to where it appears on the screen, usually television screen, mobile, or your computer. We're handling so much in between here where we have tier one customers from around the world coming to us to manage all of their video solutions. Because unlike yourself, who's extremely savvy to do it on your own, so many people are not so savvy. Sasha, one, I am not savvy. And two, you nailed that. Thank I you. got that. That was really, and I, you know, I know you and I know your company. I know people at your company. So I have a little bit of an advantage, but that was really well done. Thank All you. All right, Sasha. Now we need to uncover what it means to be the CEO, founder, and owner of Nextologies, because this is what is really interesting. Because you have a dynamic skill set. You founded the company, you're driving the company, you're hiring, you're firing, you're enabling, you're, you're empowering. Yet you also have to have this technical expertise. And we've had folks on here that do the same thing as you. I'm fascinated by having that dual skill set. Now, how do you think we, we know how you index technically? You just told the story about the computer. You also just told the great story about your company and what it stands for. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me how you are as a CEO, as a human being. What do people say about you within the company? What do partners say? How do you interact? What are your strengths in that regard? And I know I've got a smile on your face. Let's keep it there. <laughs> yeah, there's so much that can be said about me on that layer. And I think I'm, um, I'm not the ideal or perfect CEO. I'm, I'll be the first one to say that. It's, it's a learning process. I ask for forgiveness in advance 
tons of times with my team and I'll say, listen, guys, I apologize in advance, but you know what the blank, you know what the, because I'm a little too close to it. There's a fine line between too far away and too close. And when I say too close and I'm learning how to manage this, and I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this statement is I'm learning now, you know, at 46 years old, learning now how to accept certain things and try to not micromanage them to the point of where I might as well do it myself. Yes, have to let things go and let people go and do the job in success and in failure. But in failure, it's your responsibility to pick them up and help them, but not micromanage during. Give them a realistic deadline, confront them when they don't get those deadlines and hold it, you know, based on what their salaries are, let's say, uh, if you know, you're paying them cheap, what else can you expect? You're paying them well, really well, then you got to hold them to that salary. You got to hold them to those expectations. So it's that sort of fine line as a CEO, put people in the right place to do the right job, pay them accordingly, but you have to hold them accountable and unfortunately, to those people who were paid accordingly, if they're not doing their job, you have to shift shift them off either to another position or replace them with people that can do that job. Life is too short to, you know, it's not a charity as 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 one of my mentors uh, taught me. And it sounds crude. It sounds rough. Like, oh, my God, listen to this guy saying not a charity. It isn't. It's a business. We're here to make money. If you're not hitting your goals, what? Am I going to keep you around? So as a CEO, these are the things that I'm learning on a, on a day-to-day basis. How do I handle this? How do I do this better? And um, and yeah, I, I don't know how else to convey that. Like that, That's just sort of who I am, trying to learn every day, making mistakes every day and, and trying not to repeat them. You had a lot of nuggets in there for an aspiring leader, an emerging leader, or somebody, quite frankly, that's also running a business like you are. Here's what I heard and can see in your face through what you just said is this you have a work ethic based on your parents right coming over to this country you observing them not having college educations they did not you did you saw how hard they worked with the trucking company so i'm i'm taking that foundation and seeing in you sasha yes you understand tech it probably comes very easily to you and i'm not sure whether the human side meaning as you just said now you have an hr department so let's call it the human resources the psychology of humans whatever it is that you just analyzed really beautifully there you've done the work that is what somebody driving or walking in the park right now listening to this podcast this guy has done the work and he takes it seriously is that accurate sasha and what yeah. has that work looked like for you over the course of your professional time at nextologies I love how you articulated that far better than, than I could. It's uh, I spent for years at the company that I worked for prior. I sat in a room and I was a fly on the wall. I was a fly on the wall and listening and learning and listening and in learning so that I can go and do. And then I would do when no one else was working, working harder than anyone else. Just like Kobe Bryant was in there trying to shoot in threes in the dark, but they didn't even turn the lights on in the stadium. He's in there. And that's why he was the best. And I'm, I'm no Kobe Bryant, trust me. But I work harder and longer, but that also makes me most vocal. That also makes me most bullish. And if you've ever seen any other interviews that I've done or even been at the trade shows, I'm bullish on my statements, not because I think I know it all. 
I'm bullish because I spent the last decade doing it. People know that I'm bullish. My team knows that I'm bullish. Nine times out of 10, they know that I'm right. And that I have a team who follows me because that they know that I'm never going to put them in harm's way. And they know that at any day, time or night, doesn't matter where it is, I'm going to answer their calls to help solve their problem if they have one. And that's where every leader should be. That's what a leader should be. In fact, when you get to the CEO le a level, you're working harder, more stress, more responsibility. And you know, I got I got 99 more mouths to feed. Every decision that I make directly dictates, you know, the other 99 people below me here. And um, you have to work harder. So Sasha, you're really, really intriguing me today. Okay. Because here's what you just said. You use the term, you use the actual word bullish, saying that I'm bullish. You got to be bullish because I'm living this. And I get that, Sasha. I'm a year into this company. I get what you're saying. I am living, eating, and breathing the study, research, and the art and science of leadership. Every day, 14 hours a day, that is what I'm doing. So I am totally in this. So when I talk about it sometimes, I sound a little bullish, right? But in the very next phrasing of your analysis, you say the following. My team will call me at any time of the night and I will take their call and I will help them. So you're combining all your knowledge and experience and the fact that you are right a lot, but the fact that you'll listen to these people, the other 99 people. And I could even tell that if they came to you with a, a life concern or a business concern or a friction that they were having amongst each other, you would listen first. I don't, I don't want to assume, but what I'm yeah. learning about you and your psychology is you're listening and you'll help them despite the fact that you might know the answer. And that goes back to your previous answer about micromanaging. And so here I'm going into my bullish thing. It's like micromanaging, people that micromanaging are not doing the work. Yes, I'm making a statement like that. They're not doing the work that you've done, which is to understand why micromanaging is so harmful. Anyway, I've teed up too much well, for you. Sometimes, what, you, sometimes what we want to do in micromanage, see, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's, it's read as micromanagement, right? but it's a borderline of, I want to help you get to the, to the destination because I know where you're going. And I spent 18 hours going through this exact same problem. Let me help you spend one. And that, well put. Well can, put. Get, that can get interpreted like micromanagement. And that's, it's a, and I go back to that fine line. I encourage, in fact, which is not common for everyone, but I love to teach. I love, I love, 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 love to teach. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love to teach because if you have all the brain power in the world, but if you can't teach what you have upstairs, I'm bullish, I'm sorry. You can't teach what you have up here. You can't convey that to the next person. It's useless. And that's why I think your podcast is phenomenal because leaving this podcast, someone has been taught something or their day is enlightened because they learned something new. So it's my goal as a CEO, not only to be a leader, not only to be a visionary, but to convey my knowledge to everyone else around me. Because at the moment, I'm the subject matter expert in the preponderance of what we offer as our company. And it's my responsibility to teach every, anyone else. So that's why my phone will always be on. It doesn't matter if it's a personal thing or a scuffle in the office or something that they're just stuck in there bashing their heads against the wall with. I am always there. And that's what be prepared for the ones who are listening to the, to your podcast that are not CEOs yet. And I say yet, cause you will get there cause you're listening to this podcast. Be prepared for that. Win by majority of people. And what I mean by that statement is get 
to the top by being the subject matter expert that can answer all the questions. Because if you can answer all the questions, guess what happens? Everyone's going to come to you. And in the next board meeting or the next uh, cycle that, you know, people are getting hired or fired or whatever, whatever that is, you know, why don't we put Chris up there? Chris has all the answers. He should be running the place anyways because everyone goes to him. And that's inevitably my story. And I've just been repeating that over and over again. So needless to say, obviously, you're a subject matter expert at Nextologies. But you said something before we started recording today that I want to dissect. And I used to get criticized as a leader myself during my career as a leader because sometimes they would say I was too positive. And it wasn't a Pollyannic view of positivity. That's just my disposition. I enjoy life. I enjoy people. And I see things differently sometimes. And I try to move through them with, with bringing people together and encouragement and empowering. And that is perceived a lot as being too positive. I own that. And I've worked on that and trying to couch it in ways that people understand it better. What did you mean before we started recording today about how positivity is an advantage for you? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Here's what I'm asking. Subject matter expert combined with positivity. How do they mutually exist? Yeah. So put an asterisk on that positivity that amplified itself when I got to a level of, of comfort or, or uh, success or you know being an entrepreneur, there's no 401k, there's none of that stuff. So there's, I was able to put some money in the bank. I was able to get myself to a level where all that hard work, I, I achieved something. Let's say it like that. I achieved a certain level. I've been positive that entire time, but it really began to really show and I convey that to my entire team on the positivity factor because I've learned being in this, being in the broadcast industry now for 16 years, broadcast television, I've seen a lot, been through a lot, but there's a lot of repetition. And what I did see was if you don't get a deal this time around, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't stress because myself as a leader, I'm not pushing that thumb down on you to, oh, you have to go and sell. You have to go and sell. So one side of me is managing real expectations. And the other side is encouraging team members that this isn't life altering. And at least the, the, the nature of our business doesn't put people in life altering positions. And I try to motivate through positivity. And it's not about subject matter expert in anything. It's about life is too short to stress over the small things. When I look at the positivity is, and I just remind people, I'm like, guys, first world problems. Some guy cut you off on the highway. Really? It was meant to be. It'll solve itself on that layer. Now, don't treat your business like that. Don't say, oh, we didn't get a deal. Oh, how am I going to pay the bills? Don't worry about it. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm saying that life itself, don't stress yourself out of it or other people because that's only, and I, and I don't want to use some weird cliches, negativity attracts negativity. Positivity attracts positivity. That's it. So if I can teach anyone or convey to anyone from my experience, you have to be positive and spread that positivity. The rest will come on its own. Do what you love to do every day. As I said, maybe pre-call, I haven't worked in over 10 years because I'm doing something that I love. That's the first thing you need to be looking at as a leader. Do you love this? Do you love what you're doing? Wake up every morning and you do 14 hours of this? You do that because you love that. Not because you, you have to do that. And that naturally comes out. The bullishness with positivity is still amazing because people will trust and follow that. I've enjoyed this, Sasha. We've got the all-star moments left. 
All right, let's go. Then I'm going to make you answer really quick. All right. I'll do my best. Yep. All right. Seven questions. You're getting all seven. Here we go. How do you deal with adversity? Uh, I don't know. I'm still learning how to do it. Good answer. How do you give yourself fuel? Uh, wow. Such a tough question. My fuel is my passion. So it naturally comes to me because I'm doing what I love every day. So my fuel comes on its own. What does never give up mean to you? It's exactly what it means. Never give up. There's someone else who's going to work harder and longer and stronger than you. So how bad do you really want it? Four. What is the value of collaboration? Oh, no one person. I said earlier, subject matter expert, but no one person has all the answers. Collaboration is huge. Surround yourself with people who can collaborate with you because no one person has all the answers. Hiring people. You've done a ton of that. What do you look for in an ideal candidate? Uh, well, in our world, I want someone who's playing on computers when they go home. But really, an ideal candidate is uh, a reflection of me, a, a mirror. When I see, when I talk to someone or do an interview, and I still interview everybody, I want to see a, a, as close as a possible a reflection of me on the other side. Describe yourself as a leader in one sentence. Oh, my goodness. Um, passionate, loud, apologetic, and positive. What is the difference between a manager and a leader? Wow. In my opinion, there's no difference. You're a human. Let's all go and do this job together. It doesn't matter. Managers, leaders, it doesn't matter. Everyone, in my opinion, and I say this all the time, I'm the first one to grab the plunger when the bathroom's clogged. I don't say that's the janitor's responsibility. That's what a true leader is. So either manager, uh, assistant, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Love it. Sasha, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much for your time and expertise and insights. I really enjoyed this. Chris, I appreciate the time. Thank you. And we thank Sasha very much for being on the show. My number one takeaway is Sasha's ability to solve problems. He allows his people to experiment and to fail, and he still stands behind them. He's transparent in the way that he mentors and teaches, putting people in positions to succeed, as you heard him talk about. Subject matter experts. Now, Sasha has seen it all. He has experience in most of the areas of his business, but he allows people to push the limits and test themselves so the company can be great. I really appreciated Sasha's story. Hope you did as well. And I appreciate you for being part of this each and every week. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time on Keep the Line Moving. Every week, you hear guests on this podcast talk about some of their biggest leadership challenges. As a leader, you want to make an impact on those you lead and reach your organization's goals while also optimizing your time management. Wherever you are in your leadership journey, we could all use some help. This is what we focus on with our group and individual coaching services. To book a call or get more information, email me directly at chrisg at garganoleadership.com or visit our website at garganoleadership.com. For our podcast and video producer, Jack Radutsky, and our marketing coordinator, Savin Narwhal, have a great week, everybody.